It's 5 o'clock in pirate country, and it's time to get pumped up with the P-Man. Hit the door and hit the road. 94.3 The Game is going to get you home, and the P-Man's not holding back. Yes! Yes! Pirates win! Pirates win! Bring on the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Holy mackerel! The flagship station of the ECU Pirates. Okay, uh, welcome in everybody. It is the uh, Patrick Johnson Show here on 94.3 The Game and uh, the IBX Media app. Thanks for being with us here on this uh, Tuesday afternoon. Uh, Pirate uh, basketball preempted us yesterday, but uh, back here today. First show of the week, uh, had a really uh, enjoyable time working with uh, Beb, uh, Debbie uh, Taylor yesterday on the ESPN Plus broadcast. I thought she did a fabulous job. Debbie and I have done uh, high school championships together on uh, television before. We've also done uh, some ACC women's games and some ECU women's games, but our first time working a men's game, and I always thought, uh, and I've always thought Debbie would be uh, great. They'd have Debbie do the girls' games in the high school basketball championships. I thought she was good enough to do the men's and would have been excellent. Um, but uh, they uh, decided not to do that. Debbie's does, does a great job covering the ACC and uh, ECU women and uh, was able to make that work in her schedule yesterday. Cy Seymour, for those wondering, under the weather and uh, been in touch with Cy. He's feeling better, but he's still... Uh, Still a little bit sick, so uh, we hope Cy will get better very, very soon. Jaden Walker was sick. We'll talk uh, more about Pirate Basketball in our Pirate Report next segment. Uh, A bit of uh, a breaking news story, though, that uh, we've talked about uh, and we'll talk about uh, in uh, some detail. Uh, The NCAA president, Charlie Baker, has proposed the creation of a subdivision allowing schools to directly compensate student-athletes. Baker has proposed what CBS Sports calls a revolutionary plan. Seems to me more like making a murkier situation even murkier, uh, as uh, it would be a way for schools to directly compensate athletes through an educational trust, as well as name, image, and likeness deals. The proposal would include the creation of a new subdivision of Division I schools for football governance purposes. Important wording there. Membership of the new subdivision would be voluntary, but would require an investment of at least $30,000 per year into an educational trust fund for at least half of its total number of athletes. So that's $30,000 per year per athlete. Uh, that would guarantee half the school's athletes $120,000 over four years of competition. Money distributed by the university would be subject to Title IX requirements, meaning half the allocated money would be required to go to female athletes. In addition to the base compensation delivered through a trust, schools could then sign additional NIL deal agreements for compensation, or students, excuse me. Uh, well, it says schools here, so there you go. Uh, the football-based subdivision would be independent of FBS and FCS dichotomy. Teams at either level are eligible to opt into the football subdivision. However, teams that opt in will ultimately be able to exist at a different level than the rest of college football. So the good news is this is a college football thing. The uh, bad news is how long does it spread to uh, – well, it's, it's going to include Title IX, so it's going to really spread to everything. But what happens if you're in a conference, uh, we'll just throw out uh, the Big 12 here, for example. 
uh, and uh, you are uh, Oklahoma State, and you decide you're going to do this. But what if you are uh, TCU, and you decide you're not going to do this? Are you still going to be in the same conference? How, do, how does this impact the TV deals? The NCAA is, um, <laughs> I mean, most athletic departments have north of 400 athletes on scholarship of some kind. And so, again, you're uh, you're running kind of a murky, uh, <laughs> you're taking a situation that is already screwed up, and uh, you're making it foobar, as uh, some may say. Uh, we'll get into more of that tomorrow. Doug uh, Martin uh, pointed this out earlier, and Doug has been, of course, on uh, top of this. But right now, let's uh, hear from uh, the man uh, of the hour in uh, many ways. He is the uh, brand-new offensive uh, coordinator for the uh, Pirates. It is John David Baker. Pilk, is is uh, I go? did I go any of this today at all? Or He had a, a three of the ten, I think. Okay, do you remember which three? Because, I mean, there's no – well, a different audience, but um, you recall what three of the seven, ten He did seven, eight, and ten. Okay. Well, that'll help because we're going to start with one. So, John David Baker uh, introduced. Had a chance to talk to him yesterday. Great guy, seems like. Uh, everything was kind of moving quick, <laughs> as you could imagine. So, uh, this is uh, Coach Baker on the choice of choosing ECU. Obviously, the next step for me in my career was go – run my own show and, and call plays so that was the first thing but when you look at uh, this conference is a great conference with a lot of school a lot of good schools and programs um, and so you, the chance to go do that at what I consider a high level um, in a great conference was something that I, I felt very strongly about and then once I got into it and started talking to Coach Houston more and more um, and got a feel for the kind of person he was uh, it was really a no-brainer for me. He also talked about the style of offense he's planning. It's going to be one that you feel like is always on the attack. Um, we're going to be extremely aggressive. Um, we're going to take our shots, um, and we're going to play. We're going to play at a, a pretty good tempo. Um, that's something that I, I firmly believe in. Um, obviously, something that we've done the last three years at Ole Miss, and, and had a ton of success. Um, it's going to be simple for our kids. Um, they're going to be able to go play, and anytime they step on the grass, step in between the white lines, they're going to know exactly what they're doing. They're going to know how to do it really fast. So, um, in a nutshell, I, I would say that's what it is. Um, it's going to be an aggressive style, one that I think the fans will find find really exciting. And uh, let's skip ahead to four here, and uh, this is uh, a question about the run versus the pass as far as balance yeah for us everything everything starts in the run game um i think sometimes just with my background um there's probably a little bit of a misconception of getting tagged as an air raid guy and and don't get me wrong we've got a lot of those principles in what we do um but for me everything starts in the run game and builds off of that whether it be rpos or play action game um everything starts up front and and when we get the run game rolling, that's when this thing gets really, really special. Um, so I think anybody who's thinking that this is going to be a wing it out offense, I don't know if this is reflected in any of the cuts, but I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Pilk, but didn't he kind of indicate that this was going to be 
like the old Rich Rod, West Virginia, Arizona style offense where it is a spread run in a sense. I mean, there's there's passing in that, but it's it's mainly to spread the defense out and just try to run the football and do so as quickly as possible. Yeah, that is definitely what I took from it. Um, Obviously, regardless of what you're doing, you've got to have a quarterback. So, uh, Coach Baker talked about uh, in cut six here, getting a quarterback is his main focus. That will be my main focus um, because if we don't have a quarterback, nothing else really matters. Um, he's in this offense, in any offense, if, if you don't have a quarterback, things get really, really hard. And so my job is to go find, um, go find some guys that add to the pieces that we've got in the room and the guy may be on campus already. We don't know that. That's, that's for us to go figure out over the next eight months. Um, but I do know this. The more guys, more quality guys that we can add to the room and create real competition in there, somebody's going to come out on the other side and they're going to be the guy that we want. And so that's, that's my whole focus. That's everybody on this coaching staff's focus is going to just add guys to that room so we can get a real competition and figure out who the guy's going to be. Yeah, uh, John David Baker commenting there. Uh, Pilk, if the guy's on campus, he's not on the football team. He must be walking around as just a general student and is going to try out as a walk-on if the guy's on campus. Maybe happened somewhere before. Kurt Warner maybe. Not in college, (laughs) but in the NFL. Right, yeah. Just walked up, was bagging uh, groceries at the pick and pay or whatever. And uh, All right. uh, Attributes that Coach Baker is looking for in a transfer quarterback cut three. He's got to be a proven leader. He's got to be tough. Those are the first two things you got to look at because I can't ask, I can't ask that guy to get in the huddle and those other ten guys look at him and them not know that or feel that. Um, so he's got he's got to be that um, from a you know attribute standpoint. Um, we love a guy that's extremely accurate. Uh, feel like that's something that you can't. Uh, you can't really coach. You can you can tweak some mechanic things on guys. You can fix their feet here and there. But uh, for the most part, if a guy's accurate, he's accurate. And so that's something that we look for uh, a lot. And then uh, we love an athletic guy. And uh, I thought this was interesting. He was asked about uh, being in Greenville, particularly yesterday, being out recruiting and and how that factors into any of his responsibilities with the bowl game at uh, Ole Miss. This is what he had to say. Yeah, so just to be just to be really clear, um, I, I'm an East Carolina Pirate, and my whole focus um, is on the Pirates and going to make sure we go add the pieces that we need to go compete for a championship next year. Um, that's, that is my whole focus um, over the next few weeks up until signing day and, and as the – as the transfer portal stays open uh, through December. Um, so I'll be on the road, obviously going to see our commits, go see our kids as fast as possible, um, get in front of them so they know me and, and I know them. Um, and then really the, the bowl game came down to just uh, Coach Kiffin won. You know, he and I having a great relationship, but also uh, every one of those kids in that tight end room at Ole Miss, I recruited. And so I sat in their living rooms um, you know, with their parents and their homes and, and brought them to Ole Miss. And, you know, when you when you sit down for a season, you ask those kids to commit for 12 months, let's go do something special. Uh, and so Coach Kiffin has been gracious enough to give me the opportunity to go finish that out with them um, at the appropriate time. But my whole focus is 
is here on this program and making sure we're going to get the pieces that we need to go compete right now. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, tell you what, uh, I know I go played some of these earlier, but let's uh, hit cut 10 here. I think this was interesting. He talked about uh, the pirate defense and, it, defense and its prowess. Uh, let's, uh, let's pick that up right now and see what uh, he had to say about that. Full transparency it was. And it's um, knowing that they had pieces coming back on defense and, and what Coach Harrell and those guys were able to do last year, um, knowing that coming here, all we really need to do is fix the offense. I felt very confident in being able to do that. And, and that's why, you know, when I talk to our kids later today, is making sure that gets conveyed to them. Like, this is not a, this is not a two-year plan. This is not a three-year plan. This is, we got eight months to go get this thing right because we can go do something really special next season. And so making sure our guys understand that and have a sense of the urgency about doing that. All right, and this is what uh, Coach had to, or uh, uh, this is what uh, Stephen Igo tweeted out uh, today. Uh, actually, uh, right at the beginning of the show, tweeted this out. Uh, the three-star QB commit Cole Hodge texted me. This is Igo saying he texted him following uh, his initial visit with the new OC, John David Baker, this afternoon. Baker and head coach Mike Houston stopped by on the recruiting trail Tuesday. Uh, it was perfect. I'm really excited to play in Coach Baker's offense. I love the vision Coach Houston has for the program. Our fans should be really excited about next year and beyond. Uh, we'll get to a pirate report coming up, and uh, when we uh, do, we'll talk a little bit about the uh, situation with uh, some names in the portal, and we'll also talk about uh, pirate basketball went last night. Also, Joe Giglio to join us from the OG Podcast, talking college football. All of that still to come. And now, Patrick Johnson with today's Pirate Report on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. Okay, uh, welcome in as we uh, run through this and uh, the big uh, news today, uh, the real first surprise of the uh, college uh, football offseason as far as East Carolina goes, is uh, been uh, starting linebacker Trey Jackson has entered the transfer portal. This is uh, from uh, I Go and Hoist the Colors. Uh, ECU fourth-year linebacker Taylor Jackson has entered the transfer portal. He's elected to enter the portal for his final year of eligibility. Jackson was the team's starting Mike linebacker for every game this past season. Marking the first year as a full-time starter, he made 51 tackles, a forced fumble, and one tackle for loss. 668 snaps led all ECU linebackers this past season on defense. He recorded a 66.5 pro football-focused defensive grade. Jackson graded out above average against the run and as a plus tackler. All right, so uh, while the Pirates and uh, other places have had several entries the last few days uh, into the... uh, Portal, that one is probably, uh, Pilkington, I have to say, kind of the big one. What would you say? I would say for sure this is the only guy that's entered so far that was a starter in every game. It's the uh, one of the few upperclassmen, obviously, Tegan Wilk, but that was announced a couple weeks ago. That one maybe was a little more surprising, but uh, definitely Taylor had improved his role through all four years here and uh, really been a star. So uh, wish him the best wherever yeah. he goes. Yeah, uh, let's uh, get into some of the basketball from uh, yesterday. They played that uh, 4 o'clock game, and I I said it this morning. I'll say it again. I hope they never play another men's game uh, 
in the middle of the afternoon on a non-holiday time period or week. Uh, the students were awesome. If it was the last day of classes, if you had had that game played a little bit later, you probably would have gotten more students out. Uh, you certainly would have got a bigger crowd out. And I don't know if you significantly improved the numbers for the women's game uh, by playing it after the men's game. Uh, if that gets me in some hot water, that gets me in some hot water. But I just, I, I think that to take a basketball program that is trying to become a postseason contender and, and stick them on in the afternoon, uh, to me, makes no, uh, makes no sense. <laughs> I just, I mean, if it were the Monday before Christmas, the Monday after, you know, if Christmas were like on a Friday or, or Saturday and you played it, I mean, I could see that, but it just doesn't, it just the whole thing doesn't compute for me. Uh, big day for Ezra Zar. If Ezra Zar plays that aggressively, and I realize the level of competition, but if he plays that aggressively, uh, Pirates will be a tough team. Now they got to get everybody healthy and get them back. But Ezra had a lot of energy and a lot of bounce. And I thought that was good yesterday, 18 and 10. Uh, Brandon Johnson got a double, double of 15 and 10. So back to back double doubles for him. Uh, RJ Felton got 13. I thought Bobby Pettiford played really, really well. He had four assists and tried to force the issue. And he gets his offense like he did against UNCW if it's needed, but he's a true point guard. Uh, first, not a lot of bench productivity as far as points go, but, uh, you know, I think the thing there is, can you uh, can you guard at a little higher level like they did at times in the second half? Uh, let's hear what uh, Coach Swartz had to say, especially with the first half shrug, uh, struggles. Kind of a sleepy start for the Pirates in the first half uh, against the uh, Hawks of Maryland Eastern Shore. The problem was it wasn't our defensive execution is we weren't rebounding. And we knew that that team, they were sending five to the glass, and that's what they are really good at is offensive rebounding. And you know what? Like I told the guys in the locker room, offensive rebounding, you have a scheme. Are you sending two? Are you sending three? Are you sending four? Whatever it may be. Some teams send one. Defensive rebounding is always five guys. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if the other team sends one or sends five. And we were not rebounding the ball physically in the first half. Continuing shot goes up, take a step towards the rim, ball goes over your head. And a lot of times it was our guards not coming down and getting in the mix. But give Maryland Eastern Shore credit. They were sending five, and they had ten offensive rebounds, and they were out-rebounding in the first half 22-20. to 20. Uh, More from uh, Coach Swartz on trying to establish a defensive identity. I do believe there's a foundation of it with this program and team, but I don't think the identity has been established with this ball club this season right. yet. I think a lot of that has to do with the lack of continuity that we've had. Again, we don't have Jaden Walker tonight. Jaden Walker before the game, non-COVID illness, and he's not available, and we really needed him. So, um, you know, he's a big piece of our defense. But I think we're just continually to establish that, and that's what we told the guys in the locker room. That's why I'm never going to take two minutes or three minutes for granted ever. Went up or down because those are opportunities to become better. Those are opportunities right. to continue to establish who we need to be as a team. And I just didn't like the last three minutes from that standpoint. Uh, on uh, what he told the team at halftime, and then uh, we saw a little bit of zone from the Pirates in the second half. 
Well, we did want to. We, we were going to go back inside on the first play, and they come out and they get in a zone, and our guys, we practice, they, we see zone, we know what to go to, and we went right to it, and Brandon makes a good shot in the middle of the zone. And, I mean, no different than when we went zone. I thought they did a nice job, and they end up getting a three late in the shot clock. So I think we just went to it, but you had to expect, uh, you know, with, with, with their player in foul trouble that they might try and do something different. And, and you know, so we, we talked about it. Coach, also on uh, how to keep the offensive runs going, Pirates had a 15-1 run at one point. Uh, I think that I'm not sure if that's the one that started 10-0. That might have been the 12-0 and became, eventually became 15-1. There was also a 10-0 run in there. So, uh, Coach, on those uh, runs at the Pirates late on the Hawks in the second half. It's pretty simple, uh, defense. We just talk about defense and rebounding. And offense, we talk about just playing the right way. There's not a, you know, there's certain times we know exactly where hey, we're going to play through this, run this action, play through this player. We got to get the ball here to attack maybe foul trouble or to attack someone that we know is, of course, that's normal. But when you're in a run like that and the momentum of the game is going, the biggest thing you try and talk about if there's a quick stoppage in play or even a foul and you can talk to the guys real quick is, Defense, defense, defense. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep rebounding. Elevate in those two areas. And offensively, the hardest part in those is to get over-anxious to maybe take a, a, a quicker shot than you probably would have taken. If it's a two-point game versus an 18-point game, you maybe take a different shot. Or you try when you're a little fatigued, you may try and do something because the momentum is so and the energy is good. You try and do something that maybe you wouldn't do, you know, in a different scenario. So you just try and stay very even keel on offense, but elevate the defense. At least that's what we try and do. And, in, and it worked tonight from a defensive standpoint. And uh, Coach's message going into the South Carolina game. But the message is, hey, we have to get better between, what day is it today, Monday? <laughs> we have to get better Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and we have to get better Saturday. No different than I told the guys. I was not overly pleased with how we played the last three minutes. The last three minutes of the game, I thought we did a, took a couple shots on offense that led to them scoring. And so this is a team that still is mostly made up of sophomores and juniors. We play freshmen. Even the sophomores and juniors that are our leaders of our team have one true year of experience under their belt of, hey, they got a little bit of a target on their back. They're getting game planned for, whether it's Ezra, RJ, Brandon. Guys stepping into new roles. Bobby Pettiford is obviously at the forefront of our team, but it's a new role for him in this role. Caleb LeCount is in a new role this year. So we have to take advantage of every single second during the game, regardless of the score, up or down. And we have to do the same shoot-arounds, film sessions, practice. So that's what we'll focus on as we got a really good South Carolina team coming in. We need to get better every opportunity we get between now and the end of that game on Saturday. The Gamecocks uh, win at Clemson tomorrow night, which will be tough. Uh, they will be 8-0 coming into uh, Greenville. Either way, they're, they're going to have seven wins at minimum. Uh, coming in. All right, uh, let's hear from some of the uh, players. Ezra Azar with the 18.10 rebound performance. This is how he thought he played. Um, it's a, it was a decent performance. Um, you know, I'm always say I could have applied more, but I mean, I'm proud of my performance. I'm gonna take it and I'm gonna move on with it. Uh, Ezra talking about how the work on defense in practice translated to the court. I just think you know. We just we keep we, we practice it all the time, so we just practicing good habits, and it's transferring over to the game. So the more good habits we practice, the better we're gonna be. 
And uh, Ezra Azar talking about the uh, defense did a better job of not fouling in the second half. Yeah, the second half kind of flew by. Here's Ezra. I think we'll say we fell off on the aggressiveness a little bit just because we, we see how the rest was calling and everything. But, you know, we're definitely going to start off aggressive there again. All right, now from Brandon Johnson, who says uh, it was hard to stay consistent when there have been a lot of injuries. And, of course, you had uh, Jaden Walker out yesterday with uh, being under the weather. I say it's pretty hard, being that sometimes we're not in practice or we're not fully practicing or we can't do everything that everybody else can. So it's really more of like a mental game with us, uh, just being ready in practice, paying attention, and then just being ready for the game. And uh, one other thing from Brandon Johnson here on uh, how to keep the runs going. I'll say just stand in the game, uh, warming up with energy, uh, just having a purpose out there. All right, uh, today's Pirate Report, little basketball for you uh, there. All right, uh, ECU basketball back in action on Saturday at noon. It'll be an 11.30 airtime on 107.9 WNCT and here on 94.3 The Game with the uh, pregame show for the ECU Sports Network. Uh, Darren Vaught and Coach Michael Perry will have uh, the radio assignment for you on Saturday. All right, let's take a, uh, well, we got Philip the Ref Pilkey did standing by. My bad, Pilk. Uh, right now, let's uh, have Pilk give us a 94-3 The Game sports update and pirate report. And uh, then we'll get Joe Giglio. Uh, we'll link up with him uh, via video and uh, talk with uh, Giglio about uh, all things going on in college football. We'll uh, talk a little bit about the uh, new ECU offensive coordinator hire with him and more. But uh, first, here's Philip. Thanks, P-Man, and it was a, excuse me, a sweep of Maryland Eastern Shore last night as the Pirates men's basketball team came out victorious 63-52, to and the women's won their contest 72-57. to Both teams had stellar defensive performances, forcing more turnovers than they allowed opponent-made field goals. We executed and created turnovers. That led to our, our best offense tonight was our defense. It wasn't our ability to play half-court offense. Pirate middle linebacker Taylor Jackson has entered the portal for his final year of eligibility. He did start all 12 games this past season. NCAA President Charlie Baker plans to release a plan later this week that would create a new subdivision D1 athletics that would allow certain schools to compensate their athletes in a new way. Last night, Jaguars quarterback Trevor Lawrence went down. It turns out it is just a high ankle sprain. However, Coach Doug Peterson will not put a timetable on the injury. And the NFL Man of the Year nominees came out. The Carol the Panthers have uh, said that Bradley Bozeman will be their nominee for the Walter Payton Man of the Year. That'll do it for your 94 3 Game Sports Live Update. Empire reporting on the other side of this timeout. We'll be joined by Joe Giglio to talk some college football now that the playoff field has been set. You covered with all the ECU news and beyond that you need for the drive home. The Patrick Johnson Show on 94 3 The Game. It is always a treat when Joe Giglio is with us and he joins us here from the OG podcast, wherever you download your favorite podcast, uh, you can uh, get the uh, goodness that uh, Joe Giglio and Joe Ovius uh, churn out on the world of sports in North Carolina and beyond. Joe, great to talk to you again. And uh, hey, uh, the, the basketball season is here. We've got all this controversy in the football 
space, so there's plenty to talk about. But the biggest thing I'm concerned about is how are you? How is your son at ECU, and how is your wife doing? Because uh, your wife's been such a, a courageous fighter of cancer, great woman. Yeah. And uh, let's get that personal update on Joe Giglio because I prefer to do that at the moment before we right. before we leap in on all the really silliness. What's going on? Yeah, Jessica's well. That's thank you for asking. Yes, uh, five years. So that, wow. that's an important milestone. So she's doing well. I'll knock on something over here. Yeah, knock on wood for she's you. Ready for, she's ready for her baby to come home from uh, ECU for <laughs> sure. Uh, and James is, is doing well in his freshman year. And he's in Does he like Bowl, it? Enjoying like it. it, yes. Yeah. Okay, Having a lot good. of fun. He was excited uh, by the Kennesaw State win in hoops. Obviously a little bit disappointed by football his first year, but he's looking forward to, he enjoyed the Kennesaw state when he saw it on uh, the uh, ESPN countdown and your call. I was like, that's my guy. And then uh, baseball, he's really looking forward to baseball too. Yeah. I think a lot of people are, Hey, let me ask you, uh, let, let's start with football and ECU football. So we're going to talk football here, uh, but they get a new offensive coordinator in uh, John David Baker. Uh, it is that kind of rich rod uh, deal that uh, you're, you're spreading them out, you're running fast type of thing. But it's also, I think, you have to incorporate a lot of what Lane Kiffin has incorporated uh, at Ole Miss in that you're, you're disguising a lot of things. You're running a lot of misdirection. There's a lot of motion packages. Uh, the formations are funky. That, to me, would seem like the blueprint than anything Lincoln Riley ever done or ever did in Greenville, to me. In this, where East Carolina is now, that's the blueprint to, to be able to move the football and possibly score some points. Am I, and I know when you're trying to run with pace now, defenses are a little better prepared for that than they were when that came on the scene a handful of years ago. So yeah. uh, give me your thoughts on this whole, this whole sitch. Yeah, obviously a disappointing year for Mike Houston, who I still think is a really good coach. And, you know, to not have any kind of success early, which I think kind of hurt them. Um, it was a tough start to the year. Michigan, Marshall, App State, those three games right in a row. It, it, it all comes down to my, in my opinion, to having the right quarterback. And, and they have to take some of the blame for Garcia's inability to develop uh, behind Holton Nailers. Like that was their plan was for, to have him and have him be ready and have him be an effective player. Uh, I, I remember from the opening press conference, though, before the Michigan game when, when they had closed up camp, that he had mentioned something, a crazy number, maybe even 50-something new players were on the roster this year. True, Patrick. yeah. Patrick. And I thought that's a problem in my head. Uh, now, how many of those do you retain? How many – no, not in a bad way, like just a – like that's a – you know, for a program like ECU or NC State or App State or anybody that's not named Georgia and Alabama or Ohio State, you, you got to be able to develop players and retain players. And when you add – 50 something to the mix it's hard and then when you have the start of their season that they hot that they had it's hard and then when you don't have a quarterback it's really hard um, so i think no matter who's calling the plays they have to fix the quarterback position and obviously the, i'm assuming they will use the the portal to do that and we'll see how that goes um but like i said i believe in mike houston i think he's a good football coach and i i want to believe that what he does will work 
because what he's done is like the oldest method there is in all of coaching in, in finding and developing players and getting them to play hard yeah. for him. And I, they're a team that fights. And that's, you know, you look on the defensive side and it, that was even fairly evident in a year like this where he still had those players fighting for him. And I think that's a, I think that's the coach's number one job is, is to get the players to believe in what they're doing. So I, I think he's more than capable of doing that and would, love, and would love nothing more to see him have success at ECU. I, I thought Steve Logan said something very smart on uh, one of our pregame shows, and that was this is not a reload situation at ECU in this modern landscape. It is a, a rebuild and development deal. And yep. uh, there's going to be – now, look, two wins is not lean. It's It's not very good. But there are going to be lean years, possibly a little below 500 in this uh, this landscape, unless some, unless Mr. Beast or Vince McMahon is going to bestow a billion dollars on <laughs> on on the NIL situation. I you know, right. there's just not going to be a whole lot of. I mean, that's no, the way it's going to be. So you're okay yes. there. Maybe Mr. Beast, <laughs> he loves to give away money, man. Well, maybe he'll start to give some away to the NIL. All right, uh, we've got Joe Giglio, the OG podcast. Wherever you download your podcast, I'm sure there's a website, Joe. What's the website we could direct people to? To, uh, to kind of pull. Okay, YouTube. Yeah, if you, All right, if the you OG search for channel and Giglio on YouTube, you'll find All it. Right. Yes, there you go. All right, uh, I'm going to give Dave Doran his flowers. It pains me to do okay. so, uh, but uh, here he is. Uh, a nine-win top 20 football team. And it was, look, I saw them in person at Duke. And mm. I thought, whoa, this is not, this is, this is not going to end well for Dave Doran. And lo and behold, I'm sure he's, he, his agent is just licking his chops to, to get the NC State brass to extend him somehow and say that somebody wants him. I don't know who. Somebody out there might want him and, uh, and play that against him. But, uh, look, good for Dave Doran. Um, you know him much better than I do, and uh, I'm I'm not above giving the guy flowers because uh, the last few weeks of the season, and, and here's what's interesting. I mean, you have a guy like Michael Allen who's from Greenville who was getting some run. He decides to leave. The MJ Morris situation yeah. is really, really uh, complicated and, and potentially kind of messy in the fallout, or it could have been messier than it has been. And somehow they've won football games. Pretty amazing. And, and they kicked yeah. UNC's tail. Yeah, and I think a big part of that was Peyton Wilson and the improvement on the defense. You, if you saw the Duke game, you saw the busts that they had on defense. Yep. They just started not giving up big plays. It sounds pretty obvious, but that, that was the truth of the matter. And I thought Peyton Wilson, um, you know, you'll you'll see him on a on when you'll have to look pretty far down the table when the Heisman vote is revealed. Uh, but I can promise you that there there was a – I'm not allowed to talk about it, but I can promise you you'll see a, a, a tally there for him because I thought he was the best player in the ACC this year and certainly one of the best players in all college football this year. So uh, it's pretty rare that you get to say that about the defensive player. But they really started cutting down on their mistakes uh, on offense and then on defense stopped giving up those big plays. So, And you saw them galvanize really down the stretch. So it was, it was impressive. I thought it was his best work in 11 years for a lot of those different reasons. Um, they do have a lot of players in the portal now, so it it will be a reset mode. Um, and obviously Peyton can't play forever, so six years was enough. So they'll have to figure something out on uh, the defensive side too. But uh, really just a, a, a really unexpected season for NC State, particularly after the way that it started. 
Yeah. When we say a lot of people are in the portal now, Joe, that's not necessarily an indictment on the program, is it? I mean, that's just players taking advantage of the rules to to maybe even get paid some money from somebody. Now, not every situation's the same. I, I get that. But, you know, it seems like, I don't know, how healthy is the whole NC State situation from a program that can continue to win, but also from a cultural standpoint? Well, you know, last year they made a decision to pay every player on scholarship $25,000. And I think that's why you saw a lot of roster retention last year, particularly compared to Carolina or Wake Forest or some of the other schools that lost, uh, you know, chunks of players. Not that State didn't lose anybody last year. You know, Devin Leary and Devin Carter, uh, Demi Sumo were, you know, three skill players that certainly could have helped them this year but for whatever and varying reasons didn't. Um, but I think the number one reason people transfer, and I know we have an IL and I know we have money, but the number one people transfer is still playing time. Everybody wants to play. Everybody also believes, even though the statistics show less than 1% of them will make the NFL, they all believe they're going to make the NFL. And I don't know Michael Allen, but I'm sure Michael Allen feels like I'm going to make the NFL. All I need is just someone to give me a chance to run the football. And I hope he goes back to. I hope he goes to ECU. I hope that's. A, I hope that's in play. I would love to see ECU get a talented player uh, from Greenville who can help them. Um, you know, but when you're not playing, you get frustrated. That's that will always be the number one reason people leave. Period. Um, yeah. And I know there's money involved, but <laughs> that's the biggest right. part of it to me. So, Joe, we'll see how it all ahead, works Joe. out for for NC State. I, I think they. A lot of the guys who were in the portal right now didn't play. Straight up. And, yeah. Joe, you know, I, Joe, don't blame uh, I, I would want to play too. Yeah. Joe Gilio, OG podcast. The reason I'm so chomping at the bit to talk, uh, just got word of this. NCA President Charlie Baker is planning to introduce this week a proposal to create a new subdivision within Division One that grants certain schools more autonomy around policymaking and permits them to compensate athletes in a new and profound way. Uh, it sounds like uh, that this uh, separation of uh, the Big Ten and SEC from everybody else might be getting underway. Yeah, and I hope it's for football. Um, I, I, you know, the ACC adding schools in California and Texas doesn't sit right with me. Um, I, I just I don't think that's fair to the sports that are not football or even I don't even really think it's fair to men's basketball to be perfectly honest with you. Um, so hopefully they will maybe find some light on that. I think it's a good step. I believe that these schools and conferences should be compensating the athletes from their money, not from NIL money. I, I think NIL is just a tax on fans. So hopefully the NCAA will embrace that. I somehow doubt that they will right. be because right. they're backwards and they don't believe in progress and they believe in, you know, the tooth fairy and, uh, I won't say Santa because I believe in Santa and it's the right time of the year to Santa. I don't want to be on the naughty list, um, but I think you get my point. Yeah, uh, Joe Giglio is with us here. Let's uh, resume our, our conversation about uh, North Carolina football uh, in, in state teams. And let's uh, go to North Carolina, where it appears that uh, that Bubba Cunningham wants, according to Art Chansky, might want uh, Mac Brown to to sail off into the sunset. <laughs> so, uh, is this, can you, and, and there's some, you know, talk, uh, their, their, their chancellor's kind of being pushed out reportedly. Yeah. 
considering a job elsewhere. Uh, Bubba's maybe getting some overtures from people. I think Mac Brown wants to be the AD there. That's just my opinion. Um, so maybe this has something to do with it. Do you believe, uh, Joe, that uh, changes are afoot in Chapel Hill in a major way? I, I don't know what they're going to do over there. I think it was clear the way that the last two years ended, though, that if you're going to be serious about football, Mac Brown can't be your coach. Um, that they had a talented roster. Talent was not the issue. When you had the record that they did for the first nine games last year, for the first seven games this year, when you collapse, it's on the coach. And I don't care if he's the CEO. I don't care if he's not calling plays. He's in charge of the program. And what they did in Raleigh on the last Saturday of the season, that's a fireable offense. Now, he obviously has more cachet than just to be sure shown to the street um but i think if north Car- if bubba cunningham probably had his own way because remember he, uh, he doesn't call really the call the shots at carolina the people right. have the money call the shots and they got a lot sure. of money so you got to listen to them <laughs> um i would suggest if you really want to be serious about football you need a new football coach but that's me applying perhaps an nc state standard to carolina that certainly they care more about men's basketball and the success of that program than they do about football. They might just be happy that Mac has reinvigorated interest in the program and helped sell tickets and gotten people interested in football. But if a team, if ECU did what Carolina did in that game and did not show up in Raleigh, Mm -hmm. Patrick, you know what would happen to that ECU football coach (laughs) straight up. I mean, Robin McNeil right. beat the hell out of Carolina and State and still got fired. Like, <laughs> right. It's a different deal over there, man. It's a different deal over there. It's uh, Joe Giglio of the OG podcast. All right. What's Duke going to do? Yeah. Nina King made a great hire in Mike Elko, and sometimes you catch lightning in a bottle. That what she's done also you don't want to give her credit for john shire that's fine but she's still the ad and at some point i would assume she had to sign off on that as well uh i i like john shire i like mike elko and i, I thought she's two for two home runs and uh, now is a chance to make another hire it, it it will be easier than it was after uh coach cutcliffe but it will be it's going to be hard to catch lightning in a bottle twice i'll say that mm-hmm. uh, i think yeah. mike elko is a special coach and uh, while his work is cut out for him at Texas A&M, if anybody can win there, I do believe it's him. So we'll, we'll, we'll see what ends up happening there. I think it's just hard if you're Duke. Um, I would prefer, you know, I think some of their fans have said, oh, man, it, it, I'd rather not go for another young coach and have to do this again in two years. And I think that's the wrong attitude. You go get another young coach. And if you got to do it again in two years, that's awesome. That's a good thing. Well, I mean, think yeah, about it. You're, you're winning on a certain level. Had, yeah, think about it in the triangle. We've had two people in the last 40 years get a better job. One was Mac Brown to go to Texas, and now the other – it's been three, right? Steve Spurrier left Duke to go to right. Florida. Mac right. Brown left right. Carolina to go to Texas, and Mike Elko left to go to Texas A&M. Think about how many other bad coaches and mediocre and average coaches there have been in the interim and how much that, how much that ground that really covers. So you'd rather yeah. have a Mike Elko and do it again in two years than – you know, bring in Jason, uh, the guy from uh, the Cowboys. I can't, I can see his face, but Garrett, Jason Garrett. Yeah. You know, yeah. You know, you, you don't want that. 
But he and Romo are Duke basketball fans, so that's you know that's got to right. count for something. Yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, so with Florida State being left, I saw Florida State at Clemson this year uh, and was impressed as hell by their defense. Uh, Travis was awesome on a final drive that uh, the kind of led to the Knowles ultimately winning. Uh, but their defense was impressive. Um, now they're down to their third string quarterback. I mean, they, we're not breaking any new ground here. But does this fuel? Does this add the fuel that? that Florida State is really going to press the accelerator to get out of the ACC. This whole situation feels like a self-fulfilling prophecy to me. They began the year complaining about their station in the ACC. They began the year complaining about the ACC itself. Then they enter and basically saying, if we can't get any more money, we'll never be able to compete with the SEC and the Big Ten. Well, then they went out on the field. They won the 13 games that were in front of them in spite of their financial constraints. And yet still talk kind of in my opinion talk themselves into this situation same with the acc like you added stanford and cal because you're anticipating florida state and clemson leaving well why are you doing that why aren't you making more of an effort to keep those teams who voted against adding stanford and cal by the way so the whole thing is a self-fulfilling prophecy to me i I wish jordan travis obviously had not gotten hurt i do believe he's their quarterback florida state's in and i i would assume texas would be out because of the fetish the committee has with uh, Alabama and Ohio State. So, right, right. Um, yeah. You know, but that's another conversation for another day. I honestly, I believe the SEC is the one that let Florida State down. Georgia had won nearly 30 games in a row and had, hadn't lost a game in three years. If they beat Alabama, Florida State's in. Um, LSU was picked in the preseason to win the SEC West. If Brian Kelly and his family had taken care of business, then that win by uh, Florida State would have counted for something. Obviously, it didn't. And then Florida, you know, their rival who they play every year is stuck in this five, six win rut in spite of being Florida. You can't have any more advantages in college football than being the University of Florida. So you, you got to be doing something wrong not to win yeah. 9, 10, 11, 12 games a year at Florida. You know, you got P. You got to really be a lot of football practice going on to go five and seven to Florida. Pete. You know this. Uh, who was your Ford, Julio? I I would have done the same thing the committee did here. Yeah. Oh, okay. And, and I think and I think I think this would have been a great year for uh, twelve. Because honestly, I think yeah, Oregon's yeah. really. I think Oregon's really good too. Yeah. And I'm not one of those like, hey, who's going to win this thing? Let's base it off who I think is going to win the thing. But, you know, there was a we were looking at this last week going, I think Texas and Oregon are two of the best teams in the country who, who, who could legitimately win it and not be in it. So right. I, it's one of those. It's a super we've had 10 years of data. This is the one exception in 10 years. So. Does, but does know. 12, I mean, because the semifinals have been kind of lousy. At least one of them has every year, it seems like. No, um, yeah. So is. Is 12 too many? No. No. Okay. And they'll, they'll end up going to more. I mean, it's just the way it'll go. You know, they'll start. Yeah. I, I would have liked... Uh, I I would have liked, if we could go back to 2013, I would have liked a six-team situation. Because sure. six feels like, you know, you could have done all the auto stuff. And um, I, I I believe in rewarding the top two, two seeds with a, with a buy, an actual buy. Sure, it would be a yeah. Um, I would have liked something like that, but I get why they went to 12 in the way that they did. And we'll see how how that kind of changes and how, how it grows. And, 
uh, I, you know, there's going to be years like last year where like Georgia would have beaten everybody. Like, so what are we doing? You could put mm-hmm. 100 teams in. There's, Georgia's still going to come right. out. Georgia would have still, yeah. yeah. Yeah, like, but this year, legitimately, there if we had a 12-team playoff, there were, there were probably five teams that could have won it, which is yeah. a lot. Right. Who's your ultimate winner in that? I mean, who, who out of the semis, yeah. who wins, and then who wins the natty? I thought ECU played the national champion in week one. I, I said it then, yeah. I say it now. I think they're the best team up front, both sides of the ball. I know their quarterback, they're they're impugning the, some of the passing stats, but he's a pro. He's a pro. And honestly, yeah. it wouldn't surprise me if he ends up being the best pro in this class. Like, I think he's a really good player. Um, and I just think for whatever reason, probably out of like, we don't need to, uh, they haven't showcased him. But you remember, actually, his best game might be the ECU game. It might be the ECU he, game, yeah. He, he made some throws in that game where that's where I was like, holy smokes, this guy can get it done. Uh, obviously not the biggest dude in the history of the world, but I, I really think he'll be the difference in this. Um, Vegas has Michigan favored over Alabama, even knowing everybody and their mother is going to bet on Alabama. That's your first sign that Michigan's a good team. And then on the other side, I think it'll be a good game. I like Penix. Uh, I do think Texas is the most talented team in the country. That doesn't always mean you're the best team. Uh, I expect them to beat Washington, though. Hey, uh, Joe, great to talk to you. Everybody, uh, go to YouTube, and uh, you can look for Ovius and Gilio, and you'll find uh, their OG podcast. Anywhere you download your podcast, you can find it as uh, that continues to do. Gangbusters. Yeah, man. Uh, the uh, OG podcast uh, network. Yeah, give me a word well. on the podcast. How's it going? We're we're closing in on a half million downloads. We started in May, which over more than, more than, uh, and more than five thousand subscribers on YouTube. So those are all good metrics that help us. And you know, selling ads the old-fashioned way, as you know, <laughs> uh, you got to hit the streets sometimes. But hey, it still works. Thanks to Joe Giglio. Check him out on the OG podcast their YouTube page, and wherever you download your favorite podcast. Doug Martin will be with us tomorrow, so we hope you'll join us uh, then in the morning. We'll see you on Talk of the Town and then back here for the PJ Show at 5 o'clock on Wednesday. Thanks to Philip the Ref Pilkington. Have a great night.